Plantation SDA Church presents The Bible Unmasked. Read your Bible daily. Join us every Sunday at 7.30pm for our weekly discussion. From Genesis all the way through to Revelation. Let's read the entire Bible in 2021 with The Bible Unmasked. Hello and welcome again to another episode of the Bible Unmasked. I'm so glad that you have joined us again this week and are here with us. We are actually here in a different location. We are in Canada um, in in an office videotaping before you. <laughs> Anyways, my name is Elizabeth Thomas and I'm glad to see you here with me today. I have our wonderful presenter, beloved Dexter Thomas. Welcome, Dexter Thomas. Thank you, ma'am. Yes. And um, if you have been watching with us, you know already that this is a Bible study through the year of 2021. And every week we have different presenters who are sharing with us as we read through the Bible and questions are being answered every week which is aired on um, Sunday evening at 7.30 on our YouTube channel and on PlantationSDA.TV. Please hit subscribe on that so that you are notified when our new uh, videos do come out and when they are aired. If you, as you are reading with us, if you have any questions um, through the Bible as you're reading, um, you can definitely send those questions to us by sending them to 954-388-8780 and at the end I will give you that number once again. <clears throat> we would like to begin right now and we'd like to begin with a prayer. Please join us as we pray. Pastor Dexter. God and friend, thank you for the journey through the Psalms. May our hearts be inspired. May our lives be positively impacted and transformed in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, so last week our presenters shared with you from the book of Psalms, Psalms 43 to verse 80. And now Pastor Dexter, is that are we in the middle of the Bible now? Is the Psalms the middle of the Bible? Oh yeah, you flip it right down in the center and you get to the Psalms. And the presenters last week, what I like with what they did is they Psalms is one of the most authentic book in all of the Bible you'd read. In terms of the varied spectrum of the human emotion is explored in the Psalms. There's no other book that keeps it as real as the book of Psalms. The Psalmist is angry. He's cursing out people. He's wishing evil on them. He's not holding back, right? I mean, 40% of the Psalm, dude is depressed. You're like, brother, you have need for Prozac, you know? Um, this is, it's, it, it's, some of it sounds almost clinical, you know, where he wants to die. Um, so, and that's the level of authenticity you want to practice in your walk with God. So I like that the, the presenters last week walked us through some of those ups and downs in the Psalmist from chapter 43 all the way to chapter 80. Yes, definitely Psalms has a, it's almost like a heart massage. Yeah, that's deep. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it does something. Okay, well, today we are going to continue into the Psalms from Psalms 81 to verse 119. Chapter. So chapter, sorry, <laughs> um, chapter 81 to 119. So we're getting into the longest a chapter in the book of the Bible in chapter 119, and we will 
get more into that with questions, okay? So let's get dive right in and get to our first question here. I will also be reading, so if you have your Bible, take your Bibles out and join with me as I read some of these verses where we have our questions coming from. So I'm going to begin um, right with our chapter 81 and going to verse 13. And it says, Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. So the, um, the question here is, Oh, sorry, I jumped ahead a question. I'm going to back up, sorry, about that. It's going back to Psalms uh, verse 4 and 5 is what I wanted to read to you. For this is the statute for Israel and a law of the God of Jacob. This he established in Joseph for a testimony when he went throughout the land of Egypt. When I heard a language that I did not understand. So the question is, what's the rule of our history and hymns and poetry does recalling history through hymns and pro poetry do something different to us versus just discussing it wow solid solid question um you know one of the powerful things about the psalms is the psalms is not like chronicles where it's just re recalling israel's history um it's it's nor is it like genesis you know where it's just recalling history it's 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 a wisdom literature and there are five wisdom literature books and those are proverbs songs of solomon ecclesiastes job and psalms and it's a compilation of hymns and poetry what 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 poetry does to our brain it works the same way like music does and of course well hymn is music right it it connects to our our psyche in a different way it, it almost um speaks to the the right creative side of our brain um so when you rehearse your history in terms of hymns and and poetry what you're doing is you're communicating emotionally to your past um and i think that's pretty profound because then you 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 you're able to learn in a deeper way than just the cognitive i hope that makes sense to some of you out there yes it does good Okay, um, let's go now to the question, the verse that I read before. Verse 13 is saying, Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. Is there such a thing as corporate repentance? As this whole chapter is all is an, an appeal for Israel's repentance. So, and is that um, applicable to today? Yeah, that's, a, that's a good, another good question because... Um, there is such a thing as corporate punishment, um, as in the Achan story in Joshua chapter seven, dude messed up, you know, took silver he wasn't supposed to take and, and, and the armies of Israel started getting defeated badly and God blamed the whole community until they had to find the perpetrator of the crime. Um, I, I think in like manner. When we come together as a people and we repent and we confess, um, I think it moves the heart of God in an even more profound way than just individuals repenting. I think it, it creates a surge. It creates momentum. It's almost like a wave at those football stadiums. It, it, it creates movement and motion. Um, and others are inspired. Others are swept up in, in, in that experience. Um, where the community is connecting with God. And on a deeper level, I think even as a nation, um, um, we should call for repentance. Like like Canada, we hear in Canada, 
um, for the summer. And one of the things they're discovering in British Columbia is a lot of the remains of native people. Um, they, they have these native schools. They used to have these native schools mainly run by the Roman Catholic Church. Ran it up until 1996. Residential schools. Residential schools. Right. Thank you. And, and what would happen is they forbade them from speaking their language. They wanted to rip their culture away from them. And a lot of these kids were, were beaten. Their toenails were pulled out. And thousands went missing. And now they're noticing that a lot of those who went missing were simply killed and buried in mass graves. And, and I think as a country, as a country, Canada ought to be repenting for the evils of, of their, their ancestors. And a lot of Canadians are benefiting from the cruelty of the lands of the native people being taken and stolen from them. Right now, now, what does this mean? What does this mean? Sorry for getting political, but here's the point I'm making. The point I'm making is sin affects all of us. Sin is never individual or private. So too, repentance does a similar work. When you repent as, as a corporate body, right? You, you, you're seeking forgiveness in a unified manner. All right, I'm going off course. Mm. Next question. Okay. Um, let's go now to ver chapter 82, verse 4. It says, Deliver the poor and needy. Free them from the hand of the wicked. Does our prayer for justice do any good? Wow, good question. You know, um, the, the Bible teaches us that we ought to pray for leaders. We ought to pray for politicians. In fact, there are two places in, in um, Jeremiah chapter 29 Jeremiah is specifically telling the Israelites in Babylon, you pray for the welfare of the city because in its peace, you have peace. And in 1 Timothy 2 verses 1 to 4, it says pray for leaders everywhere. What has that to do with praying for justice? What does that to do? Because your leaders are the ones that, that institute laws that affect our day-to-day -day life. Um, you know, like, like, like there, was one, there was one law being discussed where where kids who wants to change their sex could do it without their parents' permission. Mm -hmm. Now, no, come on, as a Christian, that's something you ought to stand up and protest against and then go to the ballot and vote against it. You, 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 you're following me? So, so justice ought to be prayed for, but you cannot just pray for justice without acting on your prayer. That, that's that's what I'm where I'm getting at. But definitely, when you pray for justice, you pray for the oppressed, what happens to you is you you gain the compassion of God for the disenfranchised and the leftover and the marginalized. Mm. Okay. Okay, let's go now to um, chapter 84, verse 10 and 11. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Hallelujah. When he when the psalmist highlights the greatness of the sanctuary, is he worshiping the temple? Ah, good question. Because so much of the Psalms, you know, he's showing up at the temple to praise. This a lot of these hymns, um, David, Asa, uh, they wrote so that the Israelites would sing it in the temple. 
right? So these were like praise and worship music for, for their day. Um, no, that's why I'm happy you read verse 11. Because verse 11 now, he says, look, I, I, I love the temple not because of the beauty of the building or the edifice. I love the temple because I get to connect with my God in a deep way, in a personal way. Yeah. And, and he's saying there is no pleasure on earth that could compare with basking in the presence of my awesome God. And, and, and verse 11 is, is how is how he kind of clarifies that by saying God is my son and shield in him will I trust. And you know why? No good thing would he withhold from those who walk uprightly. That's good stuff. Mm -hmm. Yes. Good. OK, let's skip over a little bit to chapter 87 and go to verse 4 and 5 here. I will make mention of Rahab and Babylon to those who know me. Behold, O Philistine and Tyr and Ethiopia, this one was born there. And of Zion it will be said, this one and that one were born here, and the Most High himself shall establish her. So the question here is that the psalmist says that God could tell where people are going to be born. What does this mean? Does it say our life is somewhat predestined? Wow. You know, I, um, I saw the games with the Clippers and the Suns last night. And um, let's say Elizabeth didn't see the game. Which I didn't. Which she did. <laughs> she's, a, she's a hockey mom. <laughs> Canadian. So, so she didn't see the game. And um, I start watching the game with her and I'm telling her what's going to happen. That doesn't mean I am controlling the players. It simply means I know the future. And I think that that's the essence of that. That God knowing where we would be and and and, and the, the, the decisions we would make does not in no wise mean that he influences those decisions or he's chaining us up and, and, and creating a course for our life that we have to follow. I hope that helps. So is it, it's kind of like he has a knowledge, like you have a knowledge. I don't even know the Clippers or what sport is that? <laughs> is that? It's not boxing. <laughs> no, I, is it basketball? Yeah. Okay. So that shows my, well, it shows my ignorance really, but it's showing, isn't that showing a little bit of like, you know, like what you, my knowledge. God, your knowledge yeah. and what God has that same kind of knowledge yeah. where we yeah. don't. Yeah. Okay. But, but I think God knows who the Clippers and the Suns are, though. Yeah, <laughs> I think so, too. <laughs> okay. Okay, let's go to Psalms 90, verse 12 here. Oh, yeah. um, let's see. 90, verse 12 says, So teach us to number our days mm -hmm. that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Mm, we all want wisdom, Amen. right? Yes. So when he speaks of teaching us the number of our days, what does this mean? Yeah, no, oh, Psalms, yeah, Psalms 90 is written by Moses, you know, and maybe he is older and he's reflecting mm. and he's he, teaching us about the frailty of life. You know, one day we're here, next day we're gone, just like the grass of the field. And, you know, it, it, it helps us to be conscientious all of us know we're going to die, but a lot of us don't believe it. Because if we believed it, we would live fuller life. We'll forgive quicker. Um, and, and I remember a friend who was about 60, celebrating her 60th birthday. And she said, wow, it woke me up. I really don't have a lot of time left. And it ignited a passion to really get with her life's purpose. 
And that's what it means by numbering your days. You don't want, like motivational speaker Les Brown says, to be on your dying bed and all your dreams are angry with you because they're saying, you never lived me out. You want to die empty, having written all the songs that, that God birthed within you, written the books, started the business, created that program for at-risk kids. Live your dreams. Uh, uh, that's how I'm getting Psalms 90 and verse 12. Right. Live the, the, each day to the fullest and with gratitude. That's it. Good. Okay. In Psalms 91, um, as he was praying for protection, and he is referring to David. Yes. Yeah. Um, what is this really supposed to do for us? Should we then not have alarm systems in our homes? <laughs> Good one. Yes. Yeah, so, Psalms 91 is, is is a lot of people's favorite. The Lord is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. And it talks about a thousand shall fall at thy right hand, 10,000 at thy left hand, but none shall come nigh thy dwelling. It's also the Psalms that, that Satan quoted in the wilderness to Jesus. You know, when he says, if you throw yourself down, because the angels is going to protect you. And, and Jesus said, you know, don't tempt the Lord thy God. Um... Praying for protection helps with you um, staying in God's presence. It helps you understand that that the, the goodness you experience in life is not happenstance and it didn't solely come about because of your brilliance and your carefulness. Um, it, the, the, the source of our protection is God. In fact, I, I, I cited Auntie Ellen one time, a couple of programs back where she said, if our eyes could be open, we would see how fiercely the angels are fighting to protect us from the onslaught of demons and evil angels, right? So that's what praying for protection does. It, it, it keeps you in God, in a God conscious state of mind, but it also, it also activates, you know, um, the protection that God wants to give to us. Some of that wouldn't come except we pray for it. Now, praying for protection doesn't mean you wouldn't be hit or you wouldn't be hurt sometimes. Why? Because we live in enemy territory. And when you're living on a sinful planet, bad things just happens to good people. The, 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 the grace that we're experiencing is that we, wasn't, we weren't eliminated from the time we were conceived. That's a miracle because you are living in Satan's territory right here here's the other powerful thing about praying for protection when you pray for protection um you again are acknowledging that there's a power beyond yourself keeping you sealing you walking with you through life i i, I hope this helps mm -hmm. okay let's go um to psalms 100 verse 4 Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Yes. And into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Hallelujah. Yes, beautiful verse there. Is this describing our role and our path um, in worship? Definitely. A lot of times, uh, and the reason why consumer Christianity has taken off so much, and consumer Christianity differs from um, serving Christianity. Consumer Christianity, which a lot of us at Plantation, me included, um, have been a culprit of. We show up to church just wanting. Bless me, praise team. Preach to me, preacher. Hardly. There are not many of us that show up to church asking, how could we give? How could we serve? 
There are not many of us that show up to church saying, God, I brought a blessing for you in your courts today. Um, in, in, in the Hebrew mindset, when you look at how David views showing up to the temple, enter his house with, enter his courts with, enter his gates with, he, he's saying, bring something to God when you come to worship. Why? Because for most of us, God is the, the preacher and we are the audience. For David, God was the audience. And he was the minister. So he showed up to bless God that, that, that that's being inspired by his praise. This is good stuff. I, I almost feel like standing and preaching. So go, go ahead, Sister Thomas. <laughs> okay. Okay, let's keep going here now to Psalms 103, um, verses 10 to 12, where, um, where God is speaking about forgiveness. So let me just read that for you, um, verses 10 to 12 here. He has not dwelt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Okay, so the questions with that, um, as David is speaking about God's forgiveness, is there anything particular about these verses in our theology of understanding God wiping away our sins yeah i think what i like about this is it shows the the permanent removal of sin um i i don't mean to get too deep but but the verse is not just talking about momentary sins being washed away but he's like as far as the east is from the west that's how far his sins are going to be removed um, it's almost like that's that story I, I heard C.D. Brooks telling from Micah 7.19 that says God is going to um, cast our sins in the depth of the sea. That, that there are some seas that are bottomless. And, and that's what God does with our sins, right? Um, and, I, and to me, the Psalms, you know, in my extravagant, sanctified, running away with me sometimes, holy imagination... I, I, I see the psalm foretelling a day when sin would just be no more. It would be as far as the east is from the west. Right, which is so amazing because, you know, sometimes when we do something, we feel so bad about what we've done. And I know sometimes I sit there in my head and my head over and over and it's like, no, okay, you know, God's forgiven us. Hallelujah. And that's that, it. That's a real comfort. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's it. Don't walk in guilt. Right. Walk in grace. Yes. Okay, Psalms 104, um, the, the significance of it and, and the creation story. This is a beautiful, this is where poetry is so captivating. Because in Psalms 104, he actually walks through the entire um, seven days of creation. So I, I leave that for your homework because it's going to take too much of time to walk through it for you. But you look at the Psalms and see which is day one. Which is day two. It's a beautiful thing. My um, commercial break. Commercial break. Ah. I have done this every single session. And I will do it for the next six sessions. Yes, we cannot so, break that trend. So, no, no. Because I need to be consistent. Right. So if you guys have been checking us out for the first time um, on Bible Unmasked, you know I have a deep passion. I love this program. And I really, please share this. Tweet, tweet it. WhatsApp it. Instagram it. Let people know you're in the word of God. It's touching your life. It's expanding your thinking and tell them to hop on board. Join us. Get with the, get with the reading program. It's not too late, not too late 
to jump in um, from the Psalms, right? Just split split the Bible down in the middle and, and start reading. Have your family join you, right? There's some really juicy, rich, life-changing stuff in God's Word, and we want you to be a part of it. As part of this deep passion I've had for the last couple of years, I have been reading the Bible through themes. And one of my favorite stories, Liz Elizabeth came to me in January and she said, you know, I feel distant from God. I feel like I'm straying from him. I need to get back. And I said, Liz, why don't you start um, by diving into the Psalms and use the theme, bringing an authentic me to an awesome God. What do I mean by themes? So I, I take a topic and I look at it from a, a, a perspective. Um, so I, I read, I'm reading all the Psalms and I'm asking, how is this teaching me to bring an authentic me to an awesome God? And that's why I said earlier, Psalms is one of those books in the Bible where you get to keep it real. You don't spare nothing. God's shoulders are big enough to handle all of our difficulties, uh, all of our drama, all of our mess. He can take it, dish it out to him. He can handle it. Um, and that's what I get when I read through the Psalms. Here's another book. Um, like Liz and I, we wanted to spice up our romance. Hallelujah. Holla back. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, and we were reading Songs of Solomon and we've been asking, how does this deepen our commitment to love? So we read every chapter asking, what does this teach us about deepening our commitment to love? That's what I mean about reading the Bible through themes. And I have a, a free devotional that you can go to innovativeoutreach.com, hit that subscribe button. And it's going to come to your inbox every day. Innovativeoutreach.com. www.innovativeoutreach.com. Back to the questions. Okay. Yay. <laughs> okay. I'm going now to Psalms um, 100 and, um, 109 here. And I'm going to read verses 6 to 10. Set a wicked man over him and let an, and let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he is judged, let him be found guilty. And let his prayer become sin. Prayer wow. become sin. Wow. Let his days be few and let another take his office. Let his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. Wow. Let his children continually be vagabonds and beg. Let them seek their bread also from their desolate places. Oof. Wow, that's pretty heavy. Oof. Very shocking and disturbing wishes for the psalmist's enemy. Is this how we should be praying against people who do what's wrong? And what about some of the people that use the Psalms as an incantation to call curses on their enemies? What's on, what's your thoughts on all this? Oh, why, oh boy. Yeah, this is one of the most evil wishing Psalm in all of the Bible. I mean, dude is asking that, that his enemy just be dead. And then he starts cursing the, 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 the man's children. Good grief. How far could you go? Yeah. Um, he's asking in verse 6 actually. He says, let Satan, let Satan destroy him. Mm -hmm. um, that's what my NAS version says. Um, so let, let me unpack some of your questions. Again, this is in line of, of the psalmist's raw, authentic um, expressions to God. And you need that. You need to just keep it real before God. That's right. that's where your walk with God becomes the deepest. Even your most vile, evil thoughts against people. Tell it to God. Mm. He can handle it. Mm -hmm. Your deepest, darkest secrets, your most ugly shame, bring it before Jesus. Mm -hmm. He could, he could, he could, 
he accepts all of our stink. He could deal with it, right? Now, now here's the thing though. Here's the thing. Um, first and foremost, don't mix up authenticity, keeping it real with continuing to be in an in a ugly, evil space. What God wants to do when we bring our ugly to him is to change our hearts. And to cleanse our minds. That's what God wants to do. Mm-hmm. Here, here, here's another thing. Here's another thing. Um, there, there, are, there are so much more um, instructive and healthy way to deal with your adversary. And one of the things is Proverbs 25. Um, do good to him. You'll, you'll pile coals. Um, you'll pile coals on his head. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. So even though Brother Samus here was very angry and annoyed, this is not God's wish for how we should pray for people that hurt us. What you want to do is just put them in God's hand. Don't tell God what to do and how to punish them. Uh, now to your second question. Yeah, people do this. It's, it's, it's interesting you ask about incantations. Because like in the islands, how I, I grew up, people are like, I'm going to read a psalm over his head. Meaning, I'm going to take a psalm mm-hmm. and read it like a witch is reading spells oh, wow. and, and call curses from the psalm. Like this psalm especially, I've heard people using um, as evil. Mm-hmm. That usually comes back, that usually comes back to, to, to bite you. When you wish evil like that on people, the evil lands right back on your lap. Mm-hmm. You don't want that practice. And God... God condemns witchcraft of any in any form, even if you're using the Bible for witchcraft. Anytime you're trying to twist God's arms to hurt people, it's manipulative and it's witchcraft. I hope I answered and addressed that question. Right. So it's just being real and authentic with God and expressing yourself rather than stuffing your feelings, but then releasing it and letting God do his thing and realizing that he's in control of their outcome and you not wow why didn't you answer the question lady that's good that's why we're a team (laughs) yes ma'am okay let's keep going here okay we want to shed some light on psalms 110 verse 1 so um let's go to 110 verse 1 the lord said said to my lord sit at my right hand till i make your enemies your footstool Okay, so question here, um, where Jesus says the says the Lord said to my Lord set at my right hand. Um, we explain yeah, that a little. Yeah, bit? that's a good question too because Jesus used this to kind of silence the Pharisees, mm-hmm. um, because they they were asking him, is is the Son of Man, um, you know David's Lord, um, and and Jesus kind of brought this passage for them. He said, look, if you answer that. You know, then I would answer you. And, and and here's the answer. Revelation says that he is the root and the offspring of Jesse. Now go figure, right? So in other words, in other words, he gave birth to Jesse and then Jesse gave birth to him. Go figure that out. And, 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 and what the passage is doing, it's it's speaking about about um the 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 pre and the post incarnate Christ. Could I talk in English? So it's talking about Jesus before he came as a human being. So he was he was the creator of David and Jesse. 
And then he speaks about him coming as a human being where he was now the son of David. I hope that helps. Yes. Okay. Okay. Let's also, we're still here in um, chapter 110, but now going to verse 4. The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Okay, so the question is about this order of Melchizedek. Um, what does that mean? Is yeah. this pr a prophecy or a theological concept he's sharing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good one. Because this just pops out, out of nowhere without um, any solid context that at least I could understand. But I think um, Paul gave it, did the theological treaty on it in um, Hebrews chapter 7 when he broke down that Jesus was not a priest according to the Levitical priesthood because he came from the tribe of Judah. He came from a different order. And, and, and how Paul explains this verse is Paul is saying, look, Jesus's priesthood is forever and forever, right? He's at the right hand of God ministering, advocating, interceding on our behalf until he comes again the second time. And he's not like the old the Levitical priesthood that, that, that had to bring sacrifices time and time again. He sacrificed once for us. Yeah? So, so the order of Melchizedek is speaking about a permanent, timeless, eternal priesthood. We will never be without the, advo the advocating grace of Jesus until he comes again. That's hope, family. Mm -hmm. Okay, here we're down to our last question, and it is Psalms 100, chapter 119, which is our longest chapter in the Bible. Um, is it exactly in the middle of the Bible? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and what is the central theme in this long chapter? Yeah, yeah, good question. I, I think the central theme is David's hunger and his passion for God and God's word. Um, you have several concepts in this chapter that describes different elements and aspects of the word of God. Um, you have him saying in um, verse, verse 1, um, verse 9, if I'm not mistaken, um, how can a young man keep his way pure? By taking heed according to the word of God. And here he's using God's word as a guide, as um, a guiding principle for one's life. Right. But then in verse 11, he says, thy word, I'm in 119 still, right? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And this is not just memorizing the Bible because, you know, like we said earlier, the enemy knows the Bible. He was quoting Psalms 91 to Jesus. So it's not just memorizing the Bible, but it's, it's, it's digesting it. Because when you speak God's word, when it's in your heart, when it's in your mind, when it's in your psyche, you will, you will hate sin. And it, and, it, and it will keep you from sinning against God because now it's in you. It's part of your conscientiousness, right? And that happens not only when you memorize it, but when you begin to walk it out. And, and, and then in Psalms 119, 105, right? He says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto thy, my path. So, so, so it, 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 it illumines the, the path that you have to walk in life. Yeah, you know how to order your life because of what God says. Okay, I'm, 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 I'm getting too excited. Uh, th th that's my answer in Psalms 119. So continue to eat up the word family. In another verse, it says that thy word is honey. It's delight to my taste. That's what I want from God's word in my life. 
I want the Bible to be a must read. I want it to be like, I can't put this thing down. I want to peek, peek in it throughout the day just to grab some of God. Now oh, that's making me want to get into it right now. Hallelujah. <laughs> So, you know, pick up your Bibles. This is an amazing book that you can read in any way, right? I've heard before, you know, read it through, you know, or you can also just go ahead and, you know, take little chunks at a time and get what you can from it. So we are going to continue. We are now like going into the second half of this. this. This year is already almost halfway through and we're halfway through our Bible reading. And so for this next week, um, we're going to be going through Psalms 120, um, chapter 120, all the way going into Proverbs chapter 14. And next week, Pastor Kevin will be sharing with you some insights on that as well and answering those questions. So if you have any of questions, please text us your questions to 954-388-8780. We'd love to hear from you and invite your friends, your family to join us on this journey of reading through the Bible, getting more clarity and understanding as we are reading and um, just diving into God's word some more. So, um, is there anything that you could say a little bit about what to expect with oh, these with oh my, this next? Oh week? my goodness! Yeah, you 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 would begin to enter the Israelites in Babylon. Some of those Psalms, um, like Psalms one thirty seven, you will hear about David dancing and praising, like in Psalms one hundred and fifty. You would hear about his deep trust in God, like in Psalms one twenty one. I would lift up my eyes unto the hills. You would hear of his love for children. Happy is the man who's quiver. He was not talking about us with our one little daughter. Um, so it, it, it's going to be a really um, enticing and gripping journey when you um, grab Psalms 120 to the end, all the way into Proverbs. And, and in Proverbs now, which is the son of David, the psalmist, you begin to hear an old man dispelling some of his deep wisdom on life, practical wisdom in living better. And that's the journey you're about to embark upon. And I know Pastor Kevin and his amazing team is going to just, you know, put the icing on the cake for you um, as you read through this week. Yes, yeah, so dive in and get that heart massage and get into God's word for food for your soul. Okay, let's close now with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, thank you so much for giving us understanding as we've been reading your word and and also for giving us questions that we may get a greater understanding of you. I pray that you would continue to guide us as we are on this journey through the Bible Unmasked, as we're reading through your word. Be with each person right now who's listening, and um, may you guide them through this study. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So. Thank you, Pastor Dexter, yes. for joining us and answering those questions. And thank you, viewers, also. We will see you again next week. Plantation SDA Church presents The Bible Unmasked. Read your Bible daily and join us every Sunday at 7.30 p.m. for our weekly discussion. From Genesis all the way through to Revelation, let's read the entire Bible in 2021 with The Bible Unmasked.